Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Ashira Konigsberg, and today we're studying Pesachim Dalit, page 4. Yesterday, we began a section noting the impact of precise choice of words. We saw that word choice is a very important, and much can be discerned from it. Today's daf begins with another illustration of this idea. Rav Achvad Rabbi Chia Uvar Achtei Rav was the son of Rav Chia's brother and the son of Rav Chia's sister. Picture step-siblings that marry each other. Kisalik lahatam amar le'ayvu kayam, amar le'ima kayamad. When Rav went there to visit Rav Chista, he asked, Is Ivu alive? Rav replied, Is Ima alive? Which was his way of not answering the first question. Amar le'ima kayamad? Amar le'ayvu kayam? Then Rav Chista asked, Is Ima alive? And Rav replied, Is Ivu alive? From this obtuse discourse, Rav Chista understands that both his siblings are dead. He says to Shemaya, his servant, Take off my shoes and follow me to the bathhouse. From this, we can draw three lessons. We learn that a mourner is forbidden to wear shoes. And we learn that a a delayed report of a death, only causes one to mourn for one day. And we learn from this that part of a day is like a whole day for the purposes of mourning. These last two lessons are drawn out from the fact that Rav Chista starts mourning, but then heads to the bathhouse. If he were to sit in extended shiva, he wouldn't be able to bathe until after a week. So the fact that he does all of this in one day teaches that he only had to sit shiva for one day, and that sitting for part of a day counts as the whole day. These practices are still very much in practice. While it's extremely rare these days that news of a death is delayed until long after burial, Traditional mourners in regular cases do refrain from wearing leather shoes, and on the last day of Shiva, sitting for part of the day counts as the whole day. And often, after Minyan, is when mourners get up from Shiva and take their first steps outside, ending that portion of their mourning. The Gemara next returns to the Mishnah and asks an important question. Now that we've established that or means evening, and we know that according to both Rav Yehuda and Rabbi Meir, chametz is not prohibited until the sixth hour and onward on the 14th, which is the next morning. So why don't we just do the checking that morning? Why do it the night before? And if you are to make the case that those who are fastidious do mitzvot 
early, first thing in the morning, then why don't we have the checking happen first thing in the morning? As we read in Leviticus, for example, in another case, circumcision takes place on the eighth day. And we know that any time on the eighth day would be acceptable to perform circumcisions. But the fastidious performed their mitzvot early, as it says, Abraham woke up early in the morning to take Isaac to the Akedah to be sacrificed. Which leaves us with our original question. Even if we argue that it's nice to do a mitzvah early, then why search for chametz First, then why not search for chametz first thing in the morning? Why do it the night before? At a time when people are found in their homes, i.e. evening, and the light of the candle is good for checking. We search for chametz in the evening because people are home. And if you can imagine a time before central lighting, the light of a candle is the best light for searching. And then we are treated to another halacha. Amar Abaye, Hilcha chayt sor v'amarabanan lo refetach ba'idna v'or t'tetlesar d'nanke arbasar d'yama mishkachoi sh'ma'ate v'ate le'imnune mimitzvah. Abaye said, Therefore scholars shouldn't begin their studies on the evening of the 13th before the 14th, i.e. the night you are supposed to search for chametz, because they may take longer with their studies than anticipated they will end up missing the mitzvah of searching. Next, the Gemara returns to the question of who is obligated to search for chametz. They ask the question of Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, one who rents a house to another on the 14th, who has the obligation to search it for chametz. Is it on the owner to check, because if there is chametz in the house, it belongs to him? Or is it the obligation of the renter to check, because the prohibition is effective in his domain? This, by the way, is not an abstract question. For those who travel on Pesach, especially to Israel, and rent a home, the question of who conquers it for Pesach is extremely relevant and potentially time-consuming. So let's turn back to the Gemara's answer. Tashma. Perhaps we can derive the answer from the following rule. One who rents out his home it is the obligation of the tenant to be sure that it has a mezuzah, which implies that the tenant would also be obligated to have the home searched for chametz. But, the Gemara replies, Hatam hu amarav misharsha mezuzah chovata darhi. In the case, as Rav Misharsha says, the mezuzah is an obligation of a tenant in a case of searching for chametz, what is the law? Says Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, we learn in a brighter that if you rent out a home and have not yet handed over the keys before the 14th, it is the obligation of the owner to check the house for chametz. But if he hands over the keys before the 14th, it is the obligation of the tenant to check. What about if the keys are handed over on the morning of the 14th, a time when it should have been checked already, but it is still permitted to own chametz? To this, the Gemara replies, why not just ask the owner? 
the Gemara qualifies that it is talking about a case where the owner is not available to be asked. In such a case, does the tenant have to search the house himself? This question leads into an extended conversation about whether or not we can presume that someone has done a mitzvah without asking them. The practical application in our case is searching for chametz, but the question is applied to other cases, like whether or not produce was tithe, or whether or not we can trust anyone other than the owner, such as his spouse, slave, or child, to testify as whether or not the house has been searched. Ultimately, the Gemara seems to think that unless we have a reason to suspect otherwise, we more or less can presume that an owner did do the mitzvah bidikat chametz. And furthermore, we can more or less trust women, children, or slaves if they testify that they've done the searching for themselves. Especially because in addition to searching, we also declare chametz null and void. And so even if these individuals did not do a good job of searching for chametz, the chametz will be nullified anyway. That about wraps up our daf for the day. Tune in tomorrow for Psachim 5. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.